Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elrod. Hello, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners. This is your host, Hal Elrod, and today we have an interview Unlike any other interview before, um, the gentleman that I'm going to bring on today has become a friend of mine, or at least I think he's a friend of mine. He might just be pretending to be a friend of mine, but uh, just to, just so we can hang out. But either way, uh, I'm enjoying getting to know this gentleman better. And I'll tell you, I went to an event. I went to an event. Uh, I actually was asked to speak at an event called One Life Fully Lived. Uh, here's the backstory for everybody. And this was probably uh, six months ago or so. And uh, the gentleman, Tim Rode, who uh, asked me to speak at the event, it's his event that he puts on, he said, hey, I've also got this mastermind called Go Abundance, and I'd, you know, I'd love for you to check it out and maybe join. And I said, I've, I said honestly, I'm, I'm in more masterminds than I should be in, and I said, I can't justify spending another dollar uh, or another day away from my family to be in a mastermind. You know? And he respectfully said, oh, okay, I get it, no problem. And then I went to this event, One Life Fully Lived, and on, I think it was the first day, I heard a speaker, and the speaker is who I'm bringing on today. And once I heard him, and I found out that he was one of the founders of this Go Abundance Mastermind, I was like, dude, I'm in. And I, I approached you know, our mutual friend now, Tim Rode. I said, Tim, hey, man, I, I, I want to learn more about the mastermind. I, I, I didn't realize the caliber that, that, that this mastermind, you know, what it entailed. And I'd, I'd love to learn more. I think it actually may be a good fit. And now I'm like a diehard, go-bundance mastermind member and advocate. And I just, I love it. And it's literally, uh, it, it's largely because of the message that I heard on goal setting, right? I mean, how fitting is that for our podcast? But from David Osborne. David Osborne is who is coming on the show today. And for those of you that don't know who David Osborne is, I'll give you kind of a formal bio. And then I'll tell you a couple of my own kind of uh, takeaways and what I've seen getting to know him. Uh, He's the principal owner in the... uh, He is the principal owner of the 20th largest real estate company in the United States. I'll say that again. I don't know how many thousands of real estate companies there are, but he is the owner of the 20th largest real estate company in the U.S. with over 1,800 agents that closed over $3.8 billion in sales in 2013. And uh, I'm not even going to ask him what percentage he gets off of every single one of those dollars that uh, that's closed with a real estate deal. Uh, but equates to a 20% annual growth rate. And he surrounds himself with the expertise of nearly 9,400 agents as he operates three regions. So not just his business, but he has three regions that he oversees as well that have closed over $21 billion in volume. Uh, David also owns 20 plus real estate related ventures, and he is, as I mentioned, the founder of GoBundance, which is an accountability based group of hard charging, generous entrepreneurs living exceptional lives. I'm honored to be a part of it. And his message 
on day one, and he might blush when I, I'm going to give a couple stats here from my best of my memory, but he talked about multiple streams of income as one of his main goals that he wanted to set himself up for financial freedom. And this is something we've done a, a podcast on, right? I've done a podcast on what I believe the importance of multiple streams of income. You know, if you're in today's economy, uh, relying on one source of income and putting all of your eggs in that one basket, whether it be a business or a job or a stock, right? It's, it's, it's not really a very risk adverse um, strategy. You're, you're setting yourself up for, well, if you lose that one source, if you lose your job, if you're, you lose your business, if the economy changes and your industry goes out the window, right? Your blockbuster video franchise owner, whatever it is, you're in trouble. So he had, and I'll actually ask him, I don't remember the number, but it's, you know, multiple streams of income in the terms of like, you know, I don't know, 1270, I think something was this huge amount and his net worth. And this is where it gets like, this is what caught my attention. His net worth is over $50 million. And I know he doesn't go around talking about that very much. In this group of GoBundance, we're all about transparency in every area, including our financials. So we all share our financials openly so that we can learn from each other and that we can be uh, you know, vulnerable to, to getting advice where we need to improve. So anyway, $50 million net worth. I've never met anyone in my life until David that had a net worth of $50 million. And then the cool part is, you know, I got to learn from him. I got to see a spreadsheet of where every one of those dollars has come from. And it blew my mind. And his message he gave on goal setting, I've never seen anything quite like the way that David sets his goals and of course the mindset and the tenacity to achieve virtually every goal that he sets and he plays at such a big level. So hopefully that's a uh, adequate introduction. David, are you still there? <laughs> I am here, Hal. That's awesome. I'm so excited listening to you talk about me that I can't wait to go back to work again. Dude, you you got, you have a lot to, after that intro. You, you better step up, man. You got a lot I, to live up to on this show. I'm all in, man. Hundred percent. Let's go. I love it. So, you know, one thing that I like about you is you're, you know, you're pretty, you're a pretty humble guy. Like I said, you don't go around talking about your your net worth and all of that, unless it, you know, unless you get a few beers in you, then you can't shut up about it, right? But right. But uh, but regardless, uh, you were not born into, you know, you weren't born a uh, a millionaire, multimillionaire, obviously, right? So the first nope. part of the podcast typically is what I call humble beginnings, and I just want, you know, I think it's important for us to realize that every human being that's achieving something that we look at and go, wow, they all started, you know, you know, in their mother's womb, right? I mean, they all started with nothing, no skills, no talents, no abilities, no connections, etc. So give a brief intro or talk about kind of your journey, what, what, what got you started in, in business and, and what led you to the success that you enjoy today? Hal, I'd love to. Uh, you know, my, my beginnings are a little troubled, I have to admit. I was uh, the son of a Green Beret colonel who was in the military and a, and a lovely mom, and we moved frequently all around the world uh, until I was 14 years old. I went to a uh, all-boys boarding school in England, and uh, they had corporal punishment. Everyone's like, gasp, they don't do that anymore, do they? But we were beaten by a slipper when we misbehaved. It was a size 17 athletic shoe, actually, a trainer, like a gym shoe. And we called him Dirty Harry. That was the name of that slipper, Dirty Harry. And when we, <laughs> when we misbehaved, we get up to six of the best. And uh, that was from age 7 through 13. It was an all-boys discipline, kind of like a military school. We wore uniforms. We boarded there. And I think I may have set the record for getting Dirty Harry the most times, but for sure I was not a well-behaved kid. And uh, my dad retired from the military when I was 14 and moved to Austin, Texas. 
And he was a San Antonio boy originally. And and my challenge, I think, how was that I had a ton of energy. Nowadays, they'd probably call it ADD. Back then, we just called it hyperactive, super kinetic. Hmm. And, and I didn't contain that well. So I was constantly sort of mouthing off in school and walking around. And so I come to America from that extremely disciplined environment. And I found American school to be a, a cakewalk. And so unfortunately, I acted up. And because of that, I got thrown out of a couple of high schools or invited not to return. Um, and, and I was kind of a rebel. I like to call myself a rebel without a clue because that's kind of how I was. <laughs> I wish I could go grab that kid around the scruff of the neck and, and, and smack some sense into him like Dirty Harry did. But anyway, huh. so I go through that. But, but during that journey, even though I'd never understood school and I, I didn't do real well as a good student, um, I got a job. I remember uh, working construction when I was about 14 years old. And all of a sudden, the world began to make sense because in the job, I could put all that energy into doing something and doing it well, and I would get paid to do it. And I, I found that really rewarding. I would hustle. I'd move fast. I really tried to do the best job I could, and I got paid for it. So I worked sort of as a, a gopher on a construction site. Then I worked for a landscape gardening company. And then when I was 16, I just decided I'm, I'm going to go work for myself. I'm going to start a, uh, a lawn mowing company. So I started a lawn mowing company. So I'm still a student. I'm still struggling in school. I'm still you know, uh, a little bit of a pushback kid. I think I, I, I kind of, you know, how I looked like Harry Potter before Harry Potter was cool. I was, <laughs> I was a short kid. I had military issue black glasses that my dad got from the military for free, giant frames. And, uh, I was, a, I was only like a hundred pounds. So, um, <laughs> that was when you were wet. Uh, that was when I was 22. No, I'm just kidding. That was probably like a 14 years old. I was probably 100, 110 pounds. I was a super small kid. I wasn't exactly your high school quarterback type. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. So I, but I had something to prove deep inside. I had a burning desire to prove myself. I was the youngest of three and it just felt to me like everyone ought to take me a little more seriously than they did. I remember I was always me too. Everyone would call me me too. So, uh, because I'd always be like, I want to play too. I want to do that too. Me too. Me too. Hmm. So I found a love for work. I didn't find a love for school. I made my way through school and I graduated. I got out. I built my lawn mowing company and how, when I was 17 years old, I had three trucks working for me and I made $20,000 cash net. I felt like I was a multimillionaire. It was the richest, maybe the richest I've ever felt in my life. I'm living at home. Um, I've got my cash business that's coming in. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and I'm like, the you know, I'm doing well. I got a new truck, a new computer and everything else. Well, that business lasted for a while. I basically graduated high school at 17. So in spite of all my troubles, I was still a pretty good student, mainly because the English background, the boarding school had been so, so good for me. And uh, my dad said, look, son, you're getting in the Marines, you're getting out of the house, or you're going to college. So of those three options, I chose college. Um, again, I made my way through college as a pretty poor student, <laughs> but a good worker, always a good worker. And, and I remember a kid saying to me once, uh, you know, my nephew, he said, you know, school's pointless. They don't teach us anything at school. And I said, yeah, what I didn't know then, which I know now, Hal, is that at school, they're just trying to teach you how to learn. And I didn't get that. So I was just there thinking, why am I sitting in the class with Miss Apostolos, who doesn't seem to like me and I don't really like her much either. And instead, I should have seen the benefit of trying to learn. And I think that was a misfit for me, being an over-energetic, sort of slightly obnoxious and rebellious kid. So that's kind of why I had my troubles in school. I get through college and I graduate and I go to work for a computer company. And how my first job, and I know you were at Cutco, my first job was to walk into a skyscraper and just knock on the doors of every business in that building trying to sell them computer systems. Mm -hmm. I'd walk right past that non-solicitation <laughs> sign, go up to the secretary, and I'd say, 
that is the prettiest dress you are wearing. Um, could you tell me who's in charge of purchasing here? So it was always, you know, write up, disarm someone with a, with charm, um, and then try disarm to get with charm. I like that. Disarm with disarm, charm. disarm with charm and try to get to the order. So that was fun. I became the top salesperson from that, from that career, uh, in, in that office. Um, but I had a little conflict again with authority, me and my boss, we just weren't seeing eye to eye. And, and so after a year of sort of really fighting with, with her, um, I said, forget it. I quit my job in a very impulsive manner and I sold all my stuff and I went hitchhiking around the world with a friend. So I spent two and a half years hitchhiking up through Africa, all through Europe, over into South America. And I came home and I'm back home in America. Now, my mom, when my dad retired, got into real estate. She became a real estate agent. And I always say that when I turned 14, I never saw my mom again because she was working so hard in real estate, I would never see her. She would just go in at five o'clock and come home at 10. Wow. I think she had something to prove after being the uh, military wife for so long. Well, I come back from going around the world. I've run up my credit card to the max. Now, what age was that at that you were did those two and a half year stint around the world? Yeah, that was 24 through 26 or okay. right around there. I think I got back just as I was about to turn 27. So April of 94. Got it. Um, so I come back. I'm broke and uh, I'm looking for jobs. and I'm starting to send out applications and my mom says, hey, why don't you come work for me in real estate uh, while you're looking for a, for, your, for a real job? And I said, okay, mom, I'll come work for you, but I want to be very clear. I'm going to find a real job. I'm not going to work in real estate because I never really thought it was a real job. So I come in, get my license in like 11 days as fast as you could. And then I sat down with my mom and started working. And, and a friend of mine from college came, said he wanted to buy a house. I took him around. We looked at a bunch of houses. We had a couple of beers afterwards talking about it. And he bought a house and I made $5,000. And I thought, oh, wow, this is awesome. I like this career. I get to drive around with my friends, people I like, show them houses, and uh, boom, buy it. But you know, they buy and I get paid a commission. So I instantly fell in love with the, the career and the space. And I learned pretty soon it was an easy business if you had the buyers and sellers because then it's just about service. And one thing I've always been committed to is serving others and taking care of others. So it's quite easy for me. So to make a long story short, uh, I happened to join a company that my mom was the fifth agent at called Keller Williams. And Keller Williams then had like 500 or 700 agents. I can't remember in 94, but very few. Today we have 110,000. Wow. So, so this company was growing fast, Hal. And because it was growing fast, they were looking for people to open up franchises. Well, I sold real estate for three years and I realized on about the third year as I was driving down the same street for the third time on the same day saying the same thing that I didn't want to remain in sales. Like I did not want to be a walking tape recorder for the rest of my life. So I decided to jump out and take the risk of moving to Dallas and opening Keller Williams branches up there. The very first one we opened, my parents backed me in it financially. I had virtually no money. Now keep in mind, he's a soldier and she's a realtor. So we weren't a wealthy family. We were just very, very middle class. We had a couple, they may have had a couple hundred grand and I had nothing. So we launched this first office and, uh, and it just did well. It, it, it frankly, it exploded. And, and from there, I, I just kept opening offices. I opened more and more and more. I owned up to 15 offices at one time, but I was involved in opening over 60 offices nationwide. I bought a master franchise. I bought another one. And, uh, and it was just a career from there. I mean, I'm, I'm very blessed and lucky. I, w I was kind of like with the Southwest Airlines of the real estate industry. My mentor and coach was Gary Keller. If he's not a billionaire now, he will be soon. And he was massively focused to being learning-based. So all of a sudden, I go from the worst student you could imagine, a, a belligerent, somewhat rebellious, 
uh, kid with a chip on his shoulder to like the greatest student ever, Hal. And that's who I am today. Now I love learning. I'm crazy about it. I love reading Miracle Morning. I love reading anything I can get my hands on. You know, Think and Grow Rich was like, uh, are you kidding me? Like this is actually written down stuff that I can learn and study. And, uh, and what I found in business is as you learn stuff and you apply it to your business entrepreneurial life, you get immediate feedback. Whatever you learned either works or doesn't work. For instance, being a servant leader means putting others first, trying to, being willing to do anything from throwing the game-winning touchdown to serving everyone on the team water, either or any one of that. You, you learn that that style really, really works, so you start adopting it and make it part of yourself. And that's what's cool about business. Everything you learn, you can apply it, and you either win or lose immediately. You get immediate, you get pretty immediate feedback, and then you can either continue that behavior or change it. And that was the beginning of my adventure into wealth building. I, well, I love there's a, there's a few things that I pulled out of that. Number one is just just the idea that you you know you weren't born into into money. You weren't born into success. You literally built it from scratch. And I also noticed we have some things in common, right? Both, you know, in high school, we're starting our first businesses. So I didn't really, I didn't know that about you. That's pretty cool. I was, uh, I was DJing, uh, and you were getting dirty with the lawnmower. But either way, <laughs> I um, think you had it. I think you had a better strategy there. But I was never cool enough to be a DJ, so I had to just cut the yard. There you go. There you go. Well, now, now you're cool enough to be a, be a podcaster. That's the new DJ, right? Uh, absolutely. So there's a couple things though that I that I that I caught in what you said there. Um, number one is one of the kind of lessons I pulled from that is you stuck with one thing that you were good at, right, and that you enjoyed and that you did well. So you found you started real estate, you sold a house to your friend, you enjoyed it, and then you stuck with it. I mean, you're still in real estate. You know, I don't know, ten, fifteen, however many years later, you're still heavily involved in real estate, right? That's still where the majority of your your success and your wealth has come from. And I think there's a lesson there is stay you know, find what you enjoy doing, right? That, that, that of course can produce income uh, and stick with that one thing and then build around it. You know, you, how many rental properties do you have? Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it right on. I've got uh, over 80 single family homes. I've got over 1400 doors in multifamily. I own a bunch of office buildings. I own a retail center. Um, I own distressed debt. I buy distressed debt. We've got uh, a, a portfolio of about 7 million bucks worth of distressed debt right now that we're disposing of. We flip homes. We'll probably flip 30, 40 homes this year. And I love real estate. I don't just like it. I love it. I mean, I every neighborhood I go into in almost every city that I'm excited by, I whip out my Realtor.com app or my KellerWilliams.com app, uh, KW app, and I just start looking at the nearby prices, what's for sale, what's moving. Like I think Austin, Texas is incredibly hot right now, so I'm constantly looking for where I could buy homes. I own five here already, but I'd like to own more. I was in Denver recently in Lodo, downtown Denver. It's just blowing up, so I immediately pull out my app. I do it almost <laughs> everywhere. I can't get enough real estate. I'm talking about it constantly. And real estate's a really cool space, Hal, because if you're not a great student like I am, in real estate, you just got to know how to make one plus one equal two and a quarter. So I've just made <laughs> one plus one equal two and a quarter over and over and over again. And yeah, I'm, I'm as excited about the rental properties and the real estate portfolio of I've, I've built as I am about almost as much excitement as the real estate offices because it, it just works. It just keeps generating revenue. And if you buy right and buy smart, you will uh, win in real estate. And if you lose, you learn. So even when it goes bad, if you lose on a deal, you learn what did you do wrong. Usually it's hope. Like people get overly hopeful. Uh, I call it the hopium. You know, you buy into the hopium <laughs> and they, they buy something they shouldn't and they end up getting burned. And I bought stuff I shouldn't have gotten burned. But uh, now I'd say nine out of 10 times I make a buying decision. I do pretty well with it. There's an old saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. 
The other thing I try to do, Hal, is I always try to put gravity on my side, you know, uh, try to be aligned with the forces of, of the universe or, or whatever you want to call that, God, if you will. And, uh, and buying real estate is a great way to align yourself with the forces of the universe because real estate generally goes up. Sure, we had a big crash recently. A lot of people got hurt. But most people that could hang on from the top of that last height yeah. to the bottom of the crash back up to now, they're back in the black again. Back They've made they money. Were, so, sure. yeah. so if you could have just held on, you're going you're gonna to be okay. And most people that get blown up in real estate get blown up through greed. They just over leverage. They buy too much. Their little eyes pop up. They're filled with the hopium. And the next thing you know, they're done. They're blown up. So I try to learn all the lessons from real estate and apply them to my life every day. And there's, you know, I think a big mistake people make is they try to get involved in a lot of different things. And now, granted, they, you know, because they're they're searching. I granted, you have to kind of, you know, maybe maybe you don't know right off. Like you found real estate, you loved it. Some people try one thing, they're not sure. They try something else. So sometimes you got to throw, you know, enough, you know, what at the wall and see what sticks. But I think about, like, I look at what I do now and everything that I do feeds each other. So for anybody listening, so think about this. If you want to build wealth or if you want to diversify your, you know, sources for income. Uh, so David's example is real estate. And you heard, uh, I mean, he's he's got offices, he's got franchises, he's got regions, he's got single family homes, multifamily homes, he has distressed debt. He has all of these different sources that all revolve around his passion and the thing that he understands well, which is real estate. I don't know anything about real estate, uh, but for me, um, helping people, right? So I've got I my my streams of income. My businesses are I do books, right? And I'm able to create multiple books that all feed each other. So if somebody reads the Miracle Morning and they're a real estate agent, they're probably going to go buy the Miracle Morning for real estate agents, right? And then yep. the Miracle Morning for salespeople, uh, depending on when this airs, it either just came out or it's just about to come out. So if they're a salesperson and they read the original, they're probably going to read that one. Or if they read the salesperson, they're going to read the original. And then I'm a keynote speaker. Almost all of my speeches come from people reading the book, being impacted by the advice and going, you got to come teach this to my, my staff or my team or my employees or my students, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then I do coaching. And so they're, so then they're impacted by the speaking or the book and then they go, well, I, I, I need someone that can really hold my feet to the fire. So I just, I, I, I really align with kind of your strategy, which is pick one thing that you enjoy and that you're good at and then build everything that you do around that versus where some people that, you know, they've got their day job, then they get into a network marketing gig on the side and then they get into, you know what I mean? And then they're trying to do real estate on the other side and they've got their hands in so many different directions that none of them complement or feed each other and they all just distract from each other and it kind of it's a goes back to the whole you know uh, jack of all trades master of none uh, sort of thing yeah a lot of people Hal are starters but not finishers and I used to be a starter and not a finisher so I can totally relate to it I think it's natural kids like my daughter uh, is five and she'll start all kinds of things and then walk away in the middle of them but as we get older you have to learn to finish you want to finish strong you want to cross that line that finish line and the way you do that is by narrowing down your focus and just picking. I think in your 20s, it's fine to wander around trying a million things, seeing what you want to do. Mark Cuban wrote a book about it and how he, he tried so many different things before he crushed it and became a billionaire. Um, but when you hit a certain age, you need to really focus in on a vital few instead of a trivial many. You need to pick out where you're going to win and really go after it. Now, it's okay to do two things if you need to have a job to support your family and maybe you're trading on eBay at night or doing something that you're passionate about that doesn't immediately have the cash flow. But ultimately, you want to go in the direction of the passion, what you love. I always tell people the sooner you start doing what you love, the better, no matter what the risk. You know, Don't just stay in a job because it's safe because then you'll end up having 
death by safe job, you know, suicide by job where you just slowly lose your passion, your energy for life because you're doing stuff you hate. I believe life is a precious gift. And that we're here to really, really enjoy this life. Look at, you plant an acorn, it becomes a beautiful tree. A little bulb becomes a flower. Universe, God, whatever you want to call it, wants life to be beautiful and amazing. And the way you find out what's amazing for you is by following your bliss, following your passion, choosing stuff you love to do, and just going after it as as aggressively and as consistently as you can. So learn to be a a finisher by doing stuff you love. And that way, when you're having the dark days where you're kind of depressed and it's kind of funky, at least you're like putting your eyes and your effort on stuff you love. And uh, really, I think if you'll do that, it'll compound over uh, months, years, decades until amazingly you, you'll look back like I do and go, wow, I've really come a long way and I can't hardly believe it. And by the way, Hal, it's been 20, 21 years now, so it has been quite a while. Wow. Wow. Um, you could do a mic drop right now. That was powerful. Like I remember now I'm, I'm taken back to when I first saw you speak and reminded why your passion and, and, you know, and your, your intellect, kind of the combination of the two, uh, your mindset really inspired me from day one. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. So the, uh, and you know, and, uh, and it's, it's mutual. We, we, yeah, we have a lot in common. We got a lot of mutual stuff. We're going to UFC. Am I allowed to announce that on the podcast? Oh, awesome. Yeah. I can't, I'm so excited that you invited me and I just cannot wait to go. Dude, we're actually, so here I'm going to share with everybody. This is kind of cool. And, and, and there, I think there's a lesson here. So this, uh, mastermind group that David founded, he co-founded it called go abundance that I'm a member of. They have five, five, um, the five pillars that they focus right. on. Uh, right. the, the five are age defying health. Extreme accountability, Mm -hmm. financial freedom, Mm -hmm. genuine contribution. That's right. And bucket list adventures. Yes, my favorite. My, I know, right? And so we were at the GoBundance uh, retreat in Tahoe. Uh, David and I both spoke there. And uh, on, I think it was the last day, they challenged us to set a 100-day goal, right? This is the Achieve Your Goals podcast, so you can, you can borrow from this. But a goal in each of the five areas. And bucket list adventures, I was like, what do I want to do that I've been putting off? And I think I put something really safe that like I kind of could have done anyway. And, you know, it was kind of safe. And then I, I, I was like, dude, that's weak. I, and I called myself out on I was like that's not a bucket list adventure that's like a kind of a cool thing to do but not really and I've always wanted to go to UFC VIP you know for me I always sit in like the first five rows but I've never done the VIP experience it's just it's expensive it's you know I just I always justify nan and I'll just get floor seats or whatever so long story short I get online right there and I I'm in the I'm in the audience at the event and I book the tickets I'm just I'm, I'm like I'm doing it I'm doing it so I book my tickets and I get on stage and uh, I, I, I announced to everybody, I'm like, hey, I'm going to UFC VIP experience. I'm excited. You know, everybody, way to go. You know, hope you got a bucket list adventure you're excited about. And David comes up to me afterwards and he goes, Hal, man, you, you know, to paraphrase what you said, David, it was something like, you broke my heart up there. And I was, you know, well, what did I do? You said, man, you and I were talking about the UFC earlier and, you know, that we might go someday. And you start talking about the UFC VIP experience. And I'm thinking that you and I, you know, you're about to announce that we're going to go together. And, uh, and then it's just you and he, you know, so, so he's like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Can you give me I, a ticket? I, I remember. Yeah. I was like, we'd just been talking about it. We'd kind of, you'd said, I'm not really challenged by my bucket list adventure. And I'm like, well, what, what do you really want to do? You're like VIP. I'm like, that sounds awesome at the UFC. Incredible. <laughs> then you get up and you announce it and it's just, I'm left out. I'm like, what, what about me, man? I thought I was part of that equation. <laughs> so luckily I called, I called my guy at UFC and, uh, David and I are both going to the championship between Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo. And it's his first UFC event, so you don't even know. This is like this is arguably not only such a cool experience at any UFC event, David, but you're going to like the greatest possible matchup 
that I could ever imagine. So. I, and I'm so excited. And this is the beauty of hanging out with great guys like you, Hal. And obviously, we have chemistry and we're both motivated, ambitious. We want to change lives and touch lives. But what's cool is if you hang around with the right people, and that's one of my mantras is to hang out with really cool people that are supportive of you and are, are motivated to help you achieve your goals because uh, suddenly you can tag in on their adventures, their bucket list, and it becomes yours. So I don't have to do any work other than saying <laughs> yes to Hal, maybe stroking a check for whatever I need to stroke a check for, yeah. and then boom, I get the entire experience and I just get to tap into your passion. Just good. like with Tim and Pat and, and you know, I did backcountry skiing with Tim Rode, my good buddy, which I would never would have done without him. It's I would never put skins on the bottom of my ski uh, to walk up a mountain and then ski down it. They have perfectly good ski lifts. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to do that. But I go out with Tim and he's so enthusiastic and the enthusiasm is contagious. So you skin up a mountain, you ski down, you skin up, you do it three times. You know, and that's him going easy on me, by the way. He'd probably do it 20 times. Yeah. And you feel so fulfilled. You're like, wow, I'm just like, I'm like Mr. Mountain Man. This little Harry Potter kid is now <laughs> Mr. Mountain Man. I get to go out there and ski in the backcountry. I get to go to a UFC fight with you. You want to surround yourself by winners. And, and that's one of my goals is to constantly be around positive, driven, motivated people, Hal. I love it. And we've, and you know, on this podcast, we've done, you know, we did an entire episode. Uh, I think it was called Upgrading Your Circle of Influence. And it's so important. You know, you mentioned even one of the other things I pulled from what your story that you shared is Gary Keller being your mentor, right? You're being mentored by the one of the most successful real estate minds in the history of the world, right? Yeah, he's amazing. And he's so, and the way he does it is by learning base. So he just reads the books, takes the information, turns it into training. And to be uh, in his company when he was building it at, at age, you know, a very young age and have him in a class of 15, like today he, he might teach 5,000 people from a stage with all these TVs around. Yeah. Uh, back then it was me and 15 other dudes, right? And I didn't realize how lucky I had it, but I sure did have it lucky. And reading books is one thing, but being around a speaker like yourself or people that are living it, it just goes in that much deeper. It's just so much easier to pick it up. And if you surround yourself about people that are only up to amazing stuff or going after big things, you're you can't help but get elevated because your culture, the people you're around determines your destiny. And uh, you're, you show me your tribe, I'll show you your destiny. And it's because of things like that, Hal, that I crossed off a bucket list earlier this year item. And I went and hung out with Richard Branson on Necker Island for five days. And I did that because it was on my bucket list. And I just know when you're around guys like that, it blows your mind. And sure enough, I came back from that humbled and challenged. And the reason I was humbled and challenged is because I thought I'd done something in life. I thought I was fairly <laughs> successful. And then I get around there with a guy, Scott from Charity Water, who's raised $180 million to build clean wells in Africa to change the lives of 5 million people. Now, he may not be worth my net worth. He may not make the money I'm making, but I am humbled and awed. And during his presentation, I was weeping like a baby. Wow. And and because of that, I uh, on my birthday this year, I did a challenge. We raised 50 grand to buy, build five wells out in Africa. Nice. And, my point, and my point of this is that I saw Tony Shea there from Zappos, who's doing a redevelopment in downtown Vegas, trying to transform a very poor area into a up and coming with area and supporting local entrepreneurs. And then you see Branson and I'm like, wow, I'm humbled. And, and that humbling motivates me to do more and find a bigger way to make a difference. And that's what's great about being around winners. You're constantly challenged to do more. Let's do this. You, you know, I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. Do, you've got you know you, the way that you set goals can you in the next can we do like a five minute goal setting session just kind of you walking us through how you yeah. set your goals and what you've done that you know that, that so you know it's just just not 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 an everyday thing that most people do yeah absolutely al i'm i'm kind of ocd so 
uh, when I'm doing my Miracle Morning now, every morning, I'm the reading I do is, is my journal, right? And then my scribing is checking how I'm doing on it because I carry a journal with me everywhere I go. And, uh, and in the back of it, I've stuck in a spreadsheet of my goals. I do it in Word doc, a doc but it actually could look like an Excel spreadsheet. And, I, and I, I've been doing this for 21 years. So when you hear this, don't be overwhelmed by what I'm, where I'm at. Just imagine where you started from. When, when I started, I'd do two goals, three goals a quarter. But now I might have 80 goals on here. And wow. I break it down into different gardens, Hal. So the, the garden of relationship is right at the top of my list. So here's a kid, not a great student, a little ADD, so all over the place. This goal sheet is like my flight plan. So I was called by a teacher once. He's like, you're like a jet airplane without a pilot. And uh, I think it was a compliment and a criticism. I'm not sure which. But from that understanding, I created a flight plan. So every day now I read my goals in the morning as many days as I can so that I can direct that energy into positive outcomes, right? And so one of them, it starts with relationship family. So I put Tracy right at the top of my list and, and my two daughters, Bella and Kevin, I, I want them right at the top of the list. And I put on here to have 20 date nights and six mom dates and 12 family meetings. Um, and I do it because I, I want to have a 10 out of 10 in all areas of my life. And mm -hmm. some people that are very driven at work, they tend to sacrifice different parts of their gardens. And I don't want to sacrifice my relationship with Tracy or my relationship with my, my two kids. So it's right there at the top. One of them is, for instance, to ski with Bella 20 times, and she and I skied 23 times this year. She's she's doing black diamonds. She's five years old. So mission wow. accomplished there, wow. right? And I don't know about you, Hal, but I'm so work-driven that if I'm not careful, I could easily work uh, 50, 60, 70 hours a week and never think, you know, not put the time into family that I need to put into it. So I put it right at the top. Yeah. Next is spiritual contribution. Where can I make a difference? My goal this year is to give away 100 grand. I'm at 75 so far. I have... Do the Miracle Morning here a hundred times. Nice. Um, I'm, I know you're 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 I, I, like, I support that one. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> Find three causes to give away to and stuff like that. So there's like ten in each category. Then workouts. Another thing successful people do is they they leave out the workouts. I work out 240 times a year. Um, yoga, ski, climbing a couple mountains, ab workouts. So read two books on health and nutrition. Then intellectual. So my intellectual goal is to read 35 books, which is just about right. I used to do more, but then not absorb the information. It might even be better to do 24, yeah. but so far I've read 15 books, right? Nice. Uh, review my goals. My favorite, most powerful goal, which I only added about six years ago. Once I did, I was like, why didn't I have this here all along, is to review my goals 50 times. So at least mm. once a week, I'm reviewing my goals. I'm a huge believer in the subconscious, so you've got to keep reading them so that, so that they become real. Then it's lifestyle adventure. We just talked about if money is energy, Hal, if, if, if success is basically energy, then when you go on awesome adventures, do you get more energy or less energy? More energy. Correct. So if money is effectively unreleased energy, how is your life going to be if you do the amazing stuff? So I say even if you're not making a lot of money, make sure you have an awesome vacation every year. It's not that expensive to drive to the Grand Canyon and look at that amazing God created beautiful thing you'll never see anyplace else. It doesn't cost you hardly any money to go climb Mount Whitney. So do the amazing stuff every year because what you'll find is the fulfillment you get from that. You'll bring it back to work. You'll get raises. You'll be more successful. You'll be willing to make more sales calls. So I'm a big fan of lifestyle adventure. You got to have the right house, the right clothes, the right car for you, the ones that turn you on and make you more powerful. And then environment tribe, which as you said, hanging around with the right people. Like I wasn't always that great at working out. Like I, it wasn't natural to me. I wasn't terrible at it. Um, but I now hang out with guys that are ex 
extreme athletes. They're always doing stuff. So, you know, just the other day we were masterminding. They're like, okay, we're going to play Ultimate Frisbee. And I'm kind of draggy. I've been speaking for three days. I haven't slept that great. I didn't really want to do it, but I just know that's my tribe and that's what I do. So I didn't even think about it. I threw on my shorts. We went and played an hour of Ultimate Frisbee. I sweated. My heart rate got up. Uh, I'm healthier for it. Then we came home, showered, and we got back to masterminding. So your tribe has to support your goals. I, I sometimes wonder when people are out of shape, like how did they get there? And and the reason they got there is they weren't transparent about what was going on. They were able to ignore it. And what you want to do is not allow yourself to ignore what's going on in your life. And then the rest of my goals, Hal, are just business goals. And that's all. So that's the seventh garden. And that's just, you know, I have a bunch of businesses and I have goals specifically for each one. You know, I think that you shared the most important takeaway for this podcast, and that is that your number one goal is to review your goals every week. That's your number one goal. And, yes. and, that, and that's and that's the goal that, that that matters because you you could have all the greatest goals in the world and most people don't review them and you know I've, I, I my my kind of philosophy on that is that extraordinary results require extraordinary clarity right that's where they're born from and yes. that's what you're doing is you're generating weekly goal review is that's extraordinary clarity you're creating around your goals and what you're doing to achieve them and what you're not doing that you need to adjust and change so I love that man um. Cool. Well, any, any any last thoughts? Anything to, else to share? Any any mantra or quote or anything that you uh, that you know for you has been a, been impactful that kind of guides you? Absolutely. Hal, the last one I would close with is just remember this: your 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 subconscious is your friend. So stop thinking so much. Our our mind is a wonderful servant mm. and a terrible master. And here's how it becomes our master: we worry, we fret, we think, we overanalyze. Should I start my business? Shouldn't I start my business? Should I get into sales? Shouldn't I? And we just the mind will give you a million reasons not to do stuff. But he, here's how the mind becomes a wonderful servant. You say to yourself, what do I want with my life? Go to your favorite coffee shop, go on a hike, sit by a river, say, what do I want? Take a journal and just start writing down all the things you want, a 10 out of 10 in your relationships, great physical health, uh, and then put all that into a, a, a format, like a goal sheet of all the things that inspire you that you want. And once you've written that down, if you'll just start reading it as part of your miracle morning every morning, what you'll find is your your mind, your your consciousness will grow that way. Our being to me is we're like a rose bush. And if you put the trellis up, which are the goals, your being will grow in that direction. And the only reason we have lives we don't choose is because we're not really choosing anything. So go out, make choices, keep reviewing it, and just let your life naturally grow in the direction of your choice. Love it. David, thank you so much for adding so much value today, buddy. I appreciate you. It's a pleasure. Great to see you, Hal. Looking forward to the fight. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, everybody that's listening, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, once again, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, take what David shared today. Re if I were you, man, I would re-listen to this episode. Hope you're taking notes on it. There was a lot of nuggets in there today. And I think that more than anything, if you can just, you know, just just take David's mindset, just borrow his passion, his intensity, his focus, his commitment, the way that he thinks so big. If he could go from being worth zero dollars to over $50 million. Uh, and not to mention, you can tell it's not, he's not just a money guy. He's not just a business guy. He's a passionate guy about health and relationships. You, I mean, every area, if he could do it, so can you go out there, set some major goals, go out and achieve them. You deserve nothing less. We'll talk to you next week. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed this interview with Hal and David, and now you are ready to really go out there and to transform your life. 
So we want to know what were your biggest takeaways from this episode. Simply go to hellelrod.com slash 079 for episode number 79 and leave a comment there in the show notes page because we truly want to hear from you and let us know what your big takeaways were and what maybe even what questions you might still have that you'd love to ask David. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to halelrodit.com slash iTunes. And there you can also leave a rating and a review. These rating and reviews really help us get more people to the podcast. It helps them find out about the podcast and decide if it is the right show for them. So we greatly appreciate a rating and review from you. And before we wrap up, I also wanted to remind you that now is the best time to actually go out there and to make this year your best year ever. And you can do that by going to byebonline.com in order to get the best year ever blueprint online course. This is videos from Hal's live event last year that will actually walk you through an entire process that will help make this year the best year ever for you. So don't wait. Go to byebonline.com and find out how to do just that. So until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.